0: This is episode one titled, The 7 Important Life Planning Documents. Welcome, this is the Chaperone Strategies on Aging podcast produced by Senior Advisors Plus and I'm your host. My name is Tim Howard and I began my career as a healthcare research analyst and then consultant. I've since embarked on a journey to help families create a plan to care for their aging loved ones To help spread the word on available resources and common strategies used to care for seniors, I've created a podcast that I'll use to discuss topics and to interview other experts in the senior care industry. This is a free resource that you can use to navigate the complexities of aging from housing to care management to legal considerations. I'll cover it here. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the seven different documents that you need to have to plan for your future. Now, not all these are legal documents, but some are, and there's a lot of debate when you should draft these documents. Really, anytime you're independent, so that is over the age of 18, you should have some version of these documents. But really, we all know that at 18, we're not thinking about our wills, our advance directives, and our power of attorney. So generally what people do is they have these forms that I'm going to discuss drafted when they have children. Like I said, I am going to be talking about some legal documents and I am not a lawyer. And In fact, uh, one day I want to have a lawyer come on and talk about some of these different documents in more detail, but today I'm going to discuss them in high level so that you know what you need when you have kids. I will post the outline in the show notes so that if you miss something or you want to review something I said, you might be able to find it in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get started. The first document that you want to have drafted is called a power of attorney and it gives Somebody, the ability to pay your bills, make investment decisions on your behalf, and even sell your house. After you have it written, depending on how you have it written, it could be active immediately or based on certain criteria. And this document is really important if you lose consciousness or you end up in the hospital and you can't manage your finances on your own. That's why people tell you you need this document and that's why you hear so many people have it. The second document is called a private personal information profile and this is a document that your power of attorney is going to thank you if they ever have to act on your behalf. What this is going to do is it's going to give them your list of passwords and personal information so that they can access your accounts to be able to pay your bills and make investment decisions on your behalf. Next called the Physician Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment, pulsed. And in Maryland, if you're living in Maryland, it's called the MOLST form. And this you need if you have a life-limiting condition such as dementia, heart disease. Why would you want something like this? Well, this is the actual order that the physician and the hospital are going to follow if you can't make a decision on your own or if you can, then they'll listen to you and still fill out this form. This form typically has four different sections. Do not resuscitate, which you may have heard of, medical interventions. This is, you know, whether you approve of life-sustaining treatments or not, whether you approve of them to use antibiotics, and the last one, artificial nutrition. The post is something that you can update. Every once in a while, depending if your medical condition changes, oftentimes people fill these out while they're in the hospital, but if if you're not coherent to fill it out on your own, then they're going to have to look to other legal documents to fill it out, or they're going to look to see if you've already had one made. This is the end-all be-all document. I mean, when it comes to providing treatment on someone, this is the one that they're going to follow. Okay, so what if you aren't coherent and you don't have a pulse made? What's the doctor going to do? Well, he's going to look to see if you have a living will or a medical power of attorney. And he will look to your advanced health care directive to find out more information about the living will and your medical power of attorney. An advanced healthcare directive is looked at by a medical professional when the patient cannot make his or her own decision and is on life-sustaining treatment. So if you're coherent, there's no need for the physician to go look at your advanced healthcare directive. They're going to ask you what type of treatment do you want? But if you're incapacitated, they're going to look at your advanced healthcare directive and they're going to see what your living will says. Your living will is basically a document that describes what you want your end-of-life treatment to be. When drafting it, your attorney is going to consider what level of mental awareness and physical functioning is acceptable for doctors to continue to provide prolonging treatment. You'll want to give copies to family members, your lawyer, your doctor. That way, that if anything happens to you, that document can be easily located and that somebody can read what you wanted your end-of-life treatment to look like. The next document under the Advanced Healthcare Directive is called the Medical Power of Attorney. Why is this important if you've just described everything that you want in your living will? Well, there's a lot of gray areas in the medical field and sometimes being able to describe what you want your end-of-life treatment to be isn't enough. You have to appoint somebody to fill in the gaps that your living will doesn't quite address. And this person is going to make medical decisions on your behalf, so you better trust them. When you're on life-sustaining treatment, a doctor is going to reference both your living will and your medical power of attorney. And that's when he or she is going to create your pulse if you haven't had one already. So you can see that if you do planning and you have your pulse, then there's no chance for anyone to misinterpret your wishes. But if you don't have that form filled out, the POLST I'm talking about, then there could be some ambiguity there and you may not get the treatment that you want. So have your POLST and have your Advanced Healthcare Directive just in case you're missing any gaps. All right, so we've done Power of Attorney, Private Personal Information Profile, pulsed, Advanced Healthcare Directive. Now we're gonna move on to the HIPAA release. You want this document because if you've got a medical power of attorney that needs to make a decision on your behalf, they wanna have access to your healthcare information so that they can accurately make a decision. And the HIPAA release allows them to get access to that information easier. When drafting this document, people oftentimes give their lawyer permission to access their medical information because they'll keep their living will with their lawyer. And remember, the living will describes what you want your end-of-life treatment to be. So by including your lawyer on your HIPAA release form, the lawyer can stay up to date on your medical treatments and then advise the doctors and family members of what your living will says you want your end-of-life treatment to be. Well, we've got the HIPAA release down. Now we want to move on to talk about wills and living trusts, a will not to be confused with a living will, gives directions on how to distribute assets after one dies. Now, if you have a will or you don't have a will, your assets are still going to be distributed. But if you have a will, they're going to be distributed in accordance to your wishes. If you have a will and you pass away, your state is going to enter into a process called probate, and that's when the courts formally distribute your assets to your heirs. The judge will rule based on your will how to distribute assets, or the judge will rule based on precedent, if you don't have a will, how to distribute your assets. These records are normally made public. To avoid probate, people often have their attorneys create a living trust for them, and a living trust also is a mechanism to pass on assets to heirs, except it avoids probate There can be certain tax advantages, and it may reduce legal fees in the long run. Unfortunately, wills, living trusts, this is a very complex topic, and if you have any additional questions, I'd highly recommend talking to an estate planning attorney, and I'm happy to put you in touch with one. Just email me, but... What you should get from this is that if you're looking for a way to pass on assets to your heirs, you'll want to consider a will or a living trust. The last document that anyone should have is your end of life wishes, and this is how you want to be remembered by through a funeral or a memorial service. These are written instructions that can be created by you in tandem with a funeral director in tandem with a lawyer, and they'll describe what you want your final ceremony to look like, whether it's burial, cremation, or if you wanna be donated. Write them down, share them with family members, and document them in your will or trust. If you talk to a funeral director, you can even prepay for your final arrangements, and this is helpful because you don't have to allocate funds in your will or trust to do that, and you save your family the hassle of making decisions on your behalf. There are a ton of permutations on how you can create your funeral memorial service. So speak with a funeral director, talk with an attorney, document these things, and file them away. That's it. That's the show today. We've gone over power of attorney, private personal information profile, post form, your advanced health care directive, which consists of your living will and medical power of attorney, The HIPAA release form, Will or Living Trust, and of course your end of life wishes. If you have those seven documents, your family is going to thank you and I thank you for sticking around this long to listen to me on my first podcast. I hope to get better and This was a particularly tough podcast to start with because we're talking a lot of legal jargon here, and once again, I am not a lawyer, but I created this list from talking to lawyers, doctors, and also funeral home directors, and I think it's pretty encompassing of what you need I think it's a good list. Once again, in the show notes, you can find this list and a description of each item that I've mentioned. Thank you for joining me and have a great day.